episode of Mets Mafia. Hosty Jones here with Brian Cunningham and Greg Walsh. As always, very excited to get into this week's episode. Um, have been off for a little while. We have the trade deadline to cover. Um, a lot of Mets news. We have some new additions to the team that we're definitely looking forward to. Um, another injury to our star pitcher, DeGrom. We'll get into that. Um, and then, honestly, today broke some news. Uh, actually, yesterday, uh, August 1st, we had the Kumar Rocker um, not being signed, so we'll dive into that as well. A lot of things to get to, so I'll throw it over to Cunning and let him say hello to everybody. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome, Javier Baez, to New York. was definitely happy to hear about that. And uh, we got an interesting two months ahead of us. Javi baseball, baby. We got about to see some exciting middle infield play. But until then, we need to win some games. Mets have not been uh, playing their best ball. Got all these injuries continuing to pile up. And, you know, we just got to keep doing what we've been doing and scrap together wins and keep this lead we got on division we've been holding on to for so long. I agree with everything you guys said. I'm very excited to have Javi Baez uh, as a New York Met. He's one of my favorite players. Actually, I think one of my first Facebook photos uh, profile pictures is Javi Baez making a play up the middle. So there you go. A little uh, fun fact for the listeners there. But yeah, very excited to have him. Uh, Trevor Williams, a little under the radar. He's stashed at AAA just for some depth as we have had our pitching woes. Um, guys going down left and right, like we said, the Grom and such. Uh, but before we get into that, like we said, we'll do the trade deadline. Um, I think Baez is a huge get. Uh, he's playing shortstop for us now for the time being. Um, so that just really solidifies that uh, position with Lindor out for a little while. So I'm very happy to see that. Uh, and then he'll slide over to either second or third when uh, Lindor comes back. So I think that really set this up nicely but yeah like you said the team has been struggling the past 45 games I think it's uh as past 46 games I think we're 22 and 24 now after yesterday so that hurts you know we need to improve on that but we still have the lead in the division but yeah things are uh not going well so far and we definitely need to start writing this ship uh and start banging out some more W's yeah I, I really like how Mets went out and got Javier Baez because like you, like you just hinted at, we were in dire need of it. We needed uh, we needed some form of life. Just guys won't come around like Conforto. He just won't come out of the slump. It's been a season-long thing, and we just needed another superstar bat if we're going to make a run at the postseason. And Javier Baez definitely brings that. And plus his defense is – now our defense up the middle with him and Lindor is – I don't think anyone in the league matches that. That's locked down. And I do think those two being best friends, will elevate both of their play. So maybe you'll see like Javier Baez mature a little bit and you'll see maybe Lindor just, he never really hit that groove either. And I think having Baez around might make him more comfortable. So. Yeah, CJ, just like you, man, I've been a Javier B fan since day one. Uh, if you can ask anyone, you, anyone who knows me, they'll tell you that my favorite middle infield combo two, three, five years ago was always would have been that Puerto Rican middle infield in the world baseball classic of Lindor and Javier B. And now we got in New York. But uh, I think we saw what probably was the craziest deadline in MLB history. And as a Met fan, it, I know it was a little frustrating. We had to be patient, but we eventually got our guy. You know, we didn't get everything we had wanted and hoped for. But Javi, like you said, Connie is, you know, he's an impact player. I mean, yeah, you're going to get a shit ton of strikeouts and not a lot of walks. But what you get with him is a player with edge. A uh, guy who's going to be clutch in the big moment, which a lot of the Mets have been struggling with this year. 
And like you said, he's going to, I think, elevate Lindor's play, which we've been missing all year. You know, when he uh, when they got that news, he was as hyped as anyone on the entire team. So I think having them, too, is going to be huge. But uh, we really need him to give us a spark. And I, I know he did in his first game with that home run. And we had a big comeback walk off win. But we need uh, we need to spread and be infectious for the whole lineup. Yeah, Javi Baez, definitely high-energy player. I think he will spark the team. I think he'll spark Lindor. I think that's good to see. Um, not uh, necessarily that you need your $340 million player to be sparked, that he should need a spark, but, you know, uh, that's where we're at now. So hopefully uh, he gets everybody going and uh, definitely adds some energy to the team. And like you said, a very crazy deadline. Uh, I know Mets fans are getting a little anxious out there. Um, especially responding to our Twitter and stuff like that, like what's going on, when are we making a trade, stuff like that. But as we've seen, Sandy operates like this, man. You know, he goes up until the last second. He always uh, – and, you know, he obviously – at the end of the day, he gets it done. You know, he got a guy, you know, with uh, uh, Cespedes there at the end. Uh, he got that that one right up against the deadline. Lindor's one right up against the deadline there as well. So I wasn't surprised to see the bias trade coming uh, – Towards the end, I was surprised not to see any more relief uh, relief pitching added or another starter. But, you know, I think we overall did well to get uh, Javi Baez, like you said, great middle end fielder. I think Sandy operated. You got to imagine he's doing this because the market, like what he said the Twins asking price was for some of their pieces was ridiculous. So you imagine around the league, and you saw like some really good players get traded, some really good prospects. So Sandy probably was waiting for that asking price to go down and it never did, but he knew that the Cubs were looking to sell Javi B and he knew Javi B wanted to be in New York Met. So it almost made too much sense, but yeah, I, I kind of, and what do you guys think about the give up? We gave up uh, Crow Arm, Crow Armstrong last year's first round pick. That also makes sense because Sandy Alderson did not draft him. Uh, Brody did. So I think, I was all right with the offer. I was a little nervous when we saw that we acquired him. I thought we might've lost like one of our top guys, but, I was all right with it. The way I look at it, I mean, I know I, I liked Pete Crow Armstrong when we signed him. I mean, we drafted him. He's 19 years old. He's a long ways away. The Mets actually have a deeper, you know, farm system with positional players right now. So I'm okay with trading a guy like him who's maybe three years away, four years away or something to, you know, put us in a win-now strategy because we're, we're leading the division and – going after a guy like Javier Baez or if it was someone else, we were going to need to give up a bat, one of those prospect bats. And I like kind of getting rid of him because we don't really know what he's going to be. And a lot of prospects don't pan out. And that's kind of what we just kind of have to hope for. You know, hopefully Javi isn't just a rental and we can have him stick around long term, which, you know, from his comments he was saying the week prior is definitely a possibility because he would play second base along with Lindor. So it, I'm not losing too much sleep over him as much as, you know, like I was with the Kalenic trade back then with him being our top guy and a year away. So I, I don't mind giving him up. And, you know, we got Trevor Williams too. And I mean, yeah, he's bringing us a stellar five point something ERA, but he's an innings eater. We need professional guys up there. We can't be having these bullpen arms every day. I think we're going to be seeing him soon getting called up from the minors, but I think somebody was saying he's got like a sub two ERA at City Field. So maybe that rubs off when he's pitching at home. Yeah, definitely good points. I just want to get back to the return there that they got. Uh, Cubs got Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, yeah, I agree. Like I said, we didn't give up any of our top guys. I think that kind of speaks to, I mean, I personally obviously don't know uh, 
what's going on in that war room there when they're making the trades. But I got to think that the Cubs probably weren't interested in Vientos there. Um, just because you think the Mets, the Mets got a lot of infielders that uh, at least a lot of their top uh, prospects are infielders. You know, the infield is crowded now with the bias trade. You would think that a, a true center fielder would be kind of on the top of the priority where they want to um, retain that kind of prospect. You know, we don't really have anybody else like that after we trade clinic and that um, Armstrong, like Greg said, uh, Sandy didn't draft him. So uh, not surprised that he wasn't really tied to him there and was willing to give him up. But I think it was just interesting, and I think it kind of spoke to what the Cubs were looking for there. Maybe not interested in Vientos, and then obviously Beatty, Mauricio, uh, Alvarez, all those guys off, um, not part of the discussion. I think it just kind of speaks to who they kind of wanted there, um, because we do kind of have a hole in the outfield, especially center field. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that was definitely a good gut compared to what the Twins were asking for in return for Berrios. I mean, they wound up getting a very good package for Berrios, right? Didn't they grab uh, Austin Martin? And I forget the other guy in the deal. I'm drawing a blank right now. It was Edwards Richardson that we uh, was. That we Yeah, the former Met. Uh, so that was a good get, but they were asking us for what, I think it was like Dom Smith. Uh, was Ronnie. it Ronnie? No, no, I, I, I thought it was Ronnie, and I saw uh, another top seven prospect, which, you know, is just, yeah, that's not going to – so I think that also speaks to what the Twins value, I guess, Austin Martin at. I think – I guess they think that he's going to be an absolute stud if they were asking that from us from the Mets. And uh, and I think – like, uh, I've heard other teams around the league, they don't uh, – they're not as high as an Alvarez as we are. I know that Alvarez has been rated high, stuff like that. He's been mashing. Some say he's too, too thick. So maybe that's why the other teams didn't ask for him there as well and asking for a return like that. Like that's not Stom Smith or Mauricio and another top seven. That's nuts. That's never going to happen. And good for them. I mean, the Blue Jays pulling the trigger, but uh, I'm applaud Sandy for not, uh, Sandy and Zach Scott for not going out and doing that. That's way too much. Yeah, I definitely agree. Sandy, I'm glad he, uh, he knew what he was doing there because I, I don't know. I'm just not that high on Jose Barrios. I know he's pretty. He's, he's a good pitcher. You know, he's he's gonna do good things for the Blue Jays. The asking price was too much. I almost think even like you guys said, the, the Blue Jays gave them a little too much for him for a year and a half of him. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have given him that if I was the Blue Jays, and I most certainly wouldn't have given him what they were asking the Mets for. So, would I've liked them to go and get an arm of his stature, someone along the lines of that? Yeah, it would have been great, but not if, not for what they were uh, thinking of giving up. I thought they might have had a last-second run at Kenta, Kenta Maeda. I thought that was a real possibility there at the very end. That was like the rumors buzzing around like 3.30 p.m. that maybe the Mets would make that move. They apparently checked in for him and Donaldson, but in the end, they didn't. Yeah, I, honestly, I was in the barbershop getting my hair cut, and uh, the barber, two rows next to me, he was saying that. He's like, I, I want Maeda and I want Donaldson. He's like, I think those are the guys that – I uh, will do as well, Maeda, with his experience in the postseason. He's also like another one of those swing guys. Like he's got Rich Hill. Um, I think Rich Hill has kind of proven he's uh, kind of like that four-inning guy, you know, twice through the lineup. When you get to the third time, you don't really want him there. But I think he's a valuable add to the rotation. So I think when you add him um, into the deadline package, because he kind of was a couple days before, uh, I think the deadline overall was all right. You know, not as good as some of the other teams. You know, the Braves revamped their whole – um, outfield, you got the Phillies who got Gibson and Ian Kennedy. Kennedy's one of the guys I definitely wanted. I thought he definitely would bolster our bullpen. 
Um, and then the Yankees added Gallo and Rizzo. So definitely some other teams had some good deadlines, but I thought ours was very good as well. So uh, hopefully that propels us to the playoff run. Yeah, like I was just saying, the deadline was crazy. Um, you know, not only were the Cubs big sellers, but so were the Nationals. Obviously, that Scherzer-Trey Turner trade was crazy. Dodgers just keep loading up on star after star, so they're going to be a problem come postseason, which is another reason I'm, I'm glad we didn't really burn out our system because they're going to be tough. And, you know, when October comes, anything can happen. I really hope the Giants can win that division. Maybe the uh, – Dodgers uh, can get bounced by Padres or Vesa. Uh, we're going to be facing, hopefully, the NL Central uh, division winner. So we'll worry about that when the time comes. But Nationals might be uh, an easier team going forward, you know, kind of like the Marlins, even though we always struggle with them as we are a little bit tonight. Johnny V's up in a big spot right now. But we got to really capitalize on these games against the Nationals and Marlins we got coming up since they're pretty much bottom of the barrel in the league now. And, I mean, even though I think the Braves, too. I mean, I know they uh, revamped the outfield, but, that's a team we've been playing a decent ball against, and we got to capitalize on the last couple of games we have against them, even though they're almost done with them. Yeah, great point, Greg. I'm just happy to see Kyle Schwarber leave this division. I mean, what he did to the Mets this year was just annoying. That was. I'm glad to see him go to Boston, get out. But I was listening to uh, Howie on the radio, and he was saying, I think there's almost like 22 games or something, right, left against the uh, Marlins. And the Nationals, the Mets, I think it might even be 25. And they got to capitalize on that, man. If they if they could win, like, 18 of those 25 games, it's huge. No, yeah, I agree. Like, I was thinking about that as well. Like, you got to think the National League, a lot of the sellers came from the National League. You know, the Cubs were big sellers. Yeah, I don't think we played them uh, again for the rest of the year. But, yeah, they, they were uh, big sellers, like you said, at Nationals. So we have a lot of games against them. So that would be huge. The Marlins as well. Um, but the Marlins pitching has been pretty good, you know, it has caused um, some issues and they do have some nice arms uh, uh, that they can call up as well. So I know the September rosters don't go up as high, but yeah, I think some other guys will get a look down the stretch as well because uh, they won't affect their service time. Um, so the Marlins could be a team to, uh, could be a thorn in our side with their pitching and stuff, but their lineup doesn't do uh, too much to scare me. So hopefully we can walk all over them, like you said. I just would have loved to see another arm was the, my only complaint about the deadline. You know, there were a lot of relievers moving around and, you know, obviously Kimbrell was the prize possession reliever and he went to the White Sox as a great addition for them. But there was a lot of other pretty good, you know, middle, middle to late inning guys that are going to be pretty important for teams down the stretch and maybe even in the postseason. Like a guy like Kendall Graven went to the Astros. I know he hasn't been great, but Yimmy Garcia is a decent guy. Brad Hand. You know, I didn't lose sleep about missing out on him, but these are guys that I think, you know, could have helped potentially. Our bullpen's been good, though, so it's not a, not really a big worry. We just have been using so much of the bullpen. Couldn't have hurt to add another guy with, you know, some guys not performing like they have earlier in the year. But yeah, the guy I, that was pitching earlier tonight, I mean, he was saying before we got on, is Jerry's Familia. This guy is back to almost 2015 form with that sinker. And Connie was saying, I think he's going to be a key piece come postseason time. Yeah, I agree with the part uh, about adding an arm. Even uh, I'll throw a guy out there, um, Ryan Tapera. He went to the White Sox from the Cubs. Even like that, like a guy like that, nothing crazy. Just add more depth because kind of Mickey Castro is kind of running out of gas here the last couple of weeks. 
Um, so just, you know, just add more reinforcements there. I'm surprised they didn't do that. I feel like one of those mid-level warms wouldn't have cost much, uh, but you got to think they checked in and I guess the price was too high, but I know Cunny has some stuff to say about this. I'll let him go ahead. Yeah, you guys made some really good points. I think we definitely needed to add a reliever because when it comes to the postseason, you always see contenders going out and getting relievers. Like, I think the Astros won the deadline in terms of relief pitching. They stole uh, a reliever from competition in their division, which is like, that was just such a dumb move. I know, Greg, you hinted at that Graveman to the Astros. That was that was bizarre. But I just, I would like to see that too. I mean, once our pitching staff is healthy, you imagine we have some reinforcements going to the bullpen as well, because we'll have guys like, I don't know where Rich Hill will fit in the rotation. I imagine he'll be a bullpen piece come postseason time if we make it there or September in the postseason stretch trying to get there. But the Mets relief, it's that relief pitching is definitely still a concern. No, I All definitely right. think that. Go ahead, Greg. My bad. I mean, you cut off. You like... I'm just watching the game right now. We got a huge at bat right now. Brandon Drury one of our most red-hot hitters on the team since he came back up. I think they just pulled up. He's been 12 for his last 19. He's got seven extra base hits. This is just what I mean with the Mets. Like, these guys have been plug-and-play all year, and this is a guy who's come up and been a, a true spark for us. I know what you're saying. If this guy stays hot, they kept Conforto out of the lineup for him. Conforto's been in trouble all year, man, and if he does something here, Conforto might be buried for a bit. Yeah, Greg with his uh, best Gary Cohen impression right there. He's giving uh, old Gary a run for his money with that. But, yeah, like you said, Drury has been huge. He's red hot lately. And uh, Conforto has been flat out bad. I'm looking at the stats right here. Um, Versus left-handed pitching, he's hitting 121. Uh, he has 66 at-bats, and he has eight hits against left-handed pitching this year. So uh, that's pretty horrid. Um, and, you know, now it's come to a point where, like, other guys are hot. He's hitting so poorly. Um, and, you know, he's just got to sit out. Other guys can play that position as well. You know, J.D. has some versatility and McNeil as well. Um, so unless Conforto writes the ship, I think that uh, he might find himself on the bench more often than not, maybe just against right-handed uh, right pitching at this time because uh, he, he's just been bad. He can't figure it out, and uh, that really uh, hurts us going forward and has hurt us the whole season absolutely i mean when lefties i mean come september when Lindor comes back healthy when lefties are pitching i don't think he'll be in the lineup i think they'll probably move mcneil to the outfield like you were seeing saying cj maybe jd at third or uh johnny v at third just to get better bats against left-handed pitching because that's been a problem for the mets this year that's a big reason why they added javi b and, yeah, I think Conforto's just ran out of time for excuses at this point. I'm all for him taking off time for the hot hand. And uh, Brandon Drury's certainly been that. I mean, the bench mod has been huge. Uh, Drury just came up short with the fielder's choice. But he's still been solid. I mean, you, Drury has been up and down, and you give those guys credit because it must be tough to hang in there after being sent down to AAA, coming back up. But he's been up and he's been raking. And I think we got to address the elephant in the room, speaking of Conforto. And I know we're kind of all on the same page with this one, but I think we got to discuss it. Is, is our, what are we going to do with him come, come the offseason? You know, are we going to give him the qualifying offer? I sure as hell know we're not signing him to the extension we were thinking before the year. You know, are we going to be able to maybe get him for a bargain? What exactly are you guys thinking? Uh, yeah, I personally think um, we're kind of at the point. I said it a couple episodes ago, maybe the last one. Um, that we're at the point where he was getting the qualifying offer probably, and that was 
uh, that was it. You know, if some team wanted to sign him to anything else in that and give up a first-round pick for him, absolutely. Um, so I think that – but now, honestly, still struggled. So I think we still are in the same boat of offering him the qualifying offer just because you don't want somebody to sign him up for nothing and we get no protection for it. Um, $17 million, the way he's in right now, is a lot of money for him, but there still is some season left. So hopefully he wakes up and starts to turn it around. So uh, you can at least feel good offering him that. But, yeah, right now um, you really just offer him the qualifying offer just to really save your ass, kind of, uh, because you don't want to let him walk somewhere else, go to Yankee Stadium, something like that, a little short porch and hit 30 home runs, and then you look like uh, sitting there with nothing. So I definitely think the qualifying offer right now is going to be the way to go. I can definitely I agree that the Mets should back themselves and get the draft pick if and just in case he signs elsewhere. But he's been so bad that they might balk at paying him $17 million just so they could improve elsewhere because there are going to be some good names out on the free agency market. But I do agree. I think in the end they will throw in the qualifying offer. But Conforto could also still save himself if he has a big postseason. If he's in the lineup come postseason time against big pitchers and you know what he did in 2015. That's why I kind of still have like a soft spot for the guy. I kind of want him to still come back, but we saw what he could do. If he could step up in the postseason, if the Mets get there, that would definitely, the Mets would definitely make some sort of offer. Yeah, I think uh, we all love Conforto. You know, he's been a homegrown guy for us, even when he came up out of college like he did in 15. And he's done great things for us. He's been a good homegrown Met, a quiet leader. Here he is coming into the game now, but, like you said, he could have one big month in September, do some good things in October and earn that spot back and prove us all wrong. And I hope he does. But like you said, there's a there's a lot of good free agents coming up. And I think if we want to uh, bring back Javi, we could throw the money we were thinking of putting to Conforto towards him and maybe put some more towards someone else with another another one of those corner outfield guys that are out there. And we got that versatility. I know you guys were saying maybe we could move. McNeil to the outfield I think that'll be contingent on his health I know we were saying before we got on also that he has not been looking great running the bases I think he's still a little a little banged up while he's playing he's running like my man Cunny back in college but uh, I think we got to keep him at 2b or at 3b keeping him a little stationary until he's back to full strength no I agree I think Jeff definitely does look a little banged up he had that double play earlier he didn't run up too hard there so he definitely think he's nursing that hammy a little bit um but i wanted to just transition to something you said you brought up college so i think that uh we gotta go address that we got the kumar rocco the 10th overall pick in this year's draft we did not find him um the mets uh after a medical they had agreed handshake agreement i would say uh the six million dollars they gave him his physical um, his physical came back, did not like what they saw from his elbow. Um, and then, according to Anthony DeCuomo, did not offer him a contract after that. So uh, he went unsigned. The Mets will have the 11th overall pick as a compensary um, in next year's draft. Um, so that has been a hot topic on Mets Twitter, stuff like that. Steve Cohen went and he said that uh, a draft pick is five, worth five times the slot value to the franchise. Um, so he would never... Um, shy away from an investment like that kind of a subtweet hinting that the medical was in fact that bad I guess Rocker's velocity has dipped um, his freshman year he was electric with the 19 strikeout game against Duke uh, but then since then his velocity has dipped a little bit on um, the past year 
more like 92 than the upper 90s, um, really only flashing 95 every once in a while. So that was something of concern. Guess the medical came back. They didn't like it. And so Rocker will no longer be a Met. And I know you guys want to talk about that. So, Connie, you can go ahead. I'm not mad that the Mets didn't offer because it definitely makes sense. It definitely seems like he was asking for a lot when the Mets weren't sure if he was going to be able to be what he's supposed to be. I just can't imagine being Kumar Rocker and just turning down. I think the Mets offered him $4.25 million because you're right, CJ. You mentioned it. His velocity is down. It's no secret. It's not like this was a surprise to anyone. That was rumors going around beforehand that he has all this mileage on him. And uh, he was supposed to be a guy that would have been up quick because he has so much experience at college. But now the experience is leading to injuries. And I just can't believe he didn't take the deal. I agree. I mean, if I was a college guy with his of his stature and I was being offered 4.25 or 6 million, I really wouldn't be sneezing at either one. And I personally would rather have the opportunity of rehabbing with a big league club and waiting waiting and working my way back there rather than either going back to college, playing independent ball or doing whatever the hell he's going to have to do to make his way back and potentially hurt himself for the future. I kind of, I mean, I would lowballed myself out of that money, but I don't know if you made the right call, but uh, the only thing that concerns me about what we uh, did with the whole rocker situation is I know we can't see the medical reports and the physicals before you draft a guy, but, if, if they did their scouting hard enough, there were signs that he was declining. And I know that's why he fell in the draft, but I think I, I was seeing somewhere that his average velo towards the end of his starts this season of Andy were dropping like mid 90, uh, mid like 92, 91 almost. And that's kind of alarming for a guy that was, was like, see, they said electric in his first couple of years throwing mid to high nineties. So that's a pretty drastic drop off. I personally think that that Vandy coach is a selfish coach and, you know, overuses guys like him and Lighter, like we saw in that no-hitter game that Lighter had, throwing almost 130-something pitches, and that definitely had an effect on it. But if the Mets really saw that drastic of a drop in his velo, it should have given them a bigger clue than for him to drop from what was supposed to be a top three pick to 10. It, it should have said a little bit more, but hindsight's 20-20, so it's easier to say that now. I know I was thrilled when we got him at the time, but – you know, it's it's a tricky spot when you're drafting guys, not only in baseball, but in all sports that have, are dealing with injuries like that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I tired of Cunny. I'm not. Uh, I definitely was ecstatic um, when we drafted him. Uh, I knew that he kind of was going to slip a little bit. I was surprised that he slipped until 10. Um, so I was ecstatic that we drafted him. Um, I'm honestly not that upset that we didn't um, resign him just because obviously the medical had to be that bad. Um, because if the guy has Tommy John, you know, we drafted JT again when he had Tommy John coming off that other Vanderbilt guys, Walker Bueller was the Tommy John guy coming out of Vanderbilt. Um, so that really, I guess, that's not a deterrent to that. I guess the medical had, they saw something that they didn't think that he could pitch close to what he was at. That's why they would have to stray away from something like that. So I guess only time will tell. But like you said, Vanderbilt coach uh, definitely run up the pitch count there, wanted to win a college championship. Um, so, you know, that's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you go to college and you go to one of the best programs where you're pitching deep into the season. You know, you're going to the College World Series, throwing a lot more than these other guys um, that are also drafted um, in the high round. So that is tough there. And then, you know, Rocker was drafted number 38 overall out of high school. And the reason he slipped that low is because they knew he was going to Vanderbilt. 
So, you know, you sit there and you look hindsight, like you said, Greg, it's 2020. He could have took that, got his money, and honestly, he would have been worked like a dog, and he probably would have been in the major leagues already because, like you said, he was so advanced um, and stuff like that. They thought he was going to fly through the system quick, uh, and now he'll be going elsewhere, either independent ball, Japan, maybe back to Vanderbilt, which I doubt, uh, but we shall see. So uh, best of luck to Kumar. Like you said, I feel bad for him, but uh, that's just how the cookie crumbled. And one last thing I want to add, the only silver lining to this is that you know, we're going to get two first-round picks next year, wherever we end up this year in the 11th pick, like CJ said earlier. So, And who knows, if someone's crazy enough to give Conforto a contract, that comp pick also. So maybe we'll even end up with three, and we can rebuild then in next year's draft. So it's not the worst thing in the world in the situation. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point, Greg. I think that uh, adding two first-rounds, uh, two top 30 picks at least, uh, definitely uh, – as to your farm system, you got to think those guys will definitely slot into at least the top 10 uh, prospect list, if not the top five for our overall um, Mets prospects. So that would be a good addition to the farm system. Definitely hurts the lose rocker who figured to uh, get in the top five as well. Um, so that definitely hurts. But like you said, we can definitely add to the uh, farm system there. And uh, just to transition, you know, uh, we have hit a bunch of things tonight, so we just kind of want to review how the team has been doing. And, uh, you know, Pete has been on absolute tear, home run derby champion. That's really propelled him forward, and uh, he's been hot, hitting home runs, and another home run tonight. Mets are losing at the moment. Uh, I had 7-2 on my scoreboard last 6-3. I apologize. The score right now, 6-3. Uh, but Pete definitely did go deep, and that was a big one for us there. So, uh, Pete's been hot, something to look forward to. Him uh, really just stroking the baseball is something we need going down the stretch. Yeah, Pete's on fire, man. These homers are no doubters. Like, he is absolutely crushing the ball right now. I just think he's been our most consistent hitter all year. He's the only guy who's really carried his weight in our lineup. And Dom Smith's gotten hot, but Pete's been that guy all year. I just – he is – when he's locked in, like, he – He's a difference maker, man. It's good to see him hitting home runs at City Field, too, because that was a thing going around that Pete was not performing at home. But now he's sending them into the second deck at City Field, and it looks like Pete's bringing the energy back. Not only is this man going to the second deck, he went all the way upper tank, top shelf in left field the other day. And then Friday night against the Jays, he had two home runs. Pete's carrying his weight. And we got Jeff, who's hot too lately. All of July, I know he had a nice hit streak, reached base for a bunch of games in a row going into today, too. So they're two guys that we've needed to get going, and they're back to their uh, two, three in the order, which is always nice to see, kind of like the old 19 Mets when we were, we were making strides. But we need other guys to step up, too. It can't just be them. The whole offense has been struggling all year, and we need more to carry their weight with the power numbers besides just Pete. No, definitely a good point. Uh the power numbers have been kind of low against the, across the board. I know uh, Cunny alluded to Dom getting kind of hot, but uh, for the most part, power numbers have been down. Pete's starting to get going. Uh, hopefully the addition of Pavi, who already has 23 home runs, um, already won in the Mets uniform. Hopefully that will add some pops to the lineup as well. We got Lindor coming back hopefully soonish. Um, who knows? But yeah, that definitely will be addition. Um, but one thing that has concerned me, um, is Tyron Walker, you know, our all-star, uh, our lone all-star besides DeGrom. Obviously, he was the replacement for him, uh, but he's fallen off. His last three starts, he was a 15-something ERA. 
and that's just downright awful. He's been getting hit around. Um, he came off Tommy John, uh, and this is the most innings he's thrown since that Tommy John surgery over three years ago. So um, maybe that should be expected or something, but uh, he's really fallen off, and we need him to kind of pick it up, especially with the Grom out. Like, we need everybody in the uh, pitching staff to pull their weight. Um, so I am kind of concerned about Walker. The workload is going to be high for him. Uh, you got to think if he's pitching into the postseason too, this is only uh, like the cusp of what he's going to be going through. So his uh, inning count is definitely going to be way up from what it was. Um, McGill never has really thrown that much. Um, so I think those are things that need to be taken in consideration as well. Like our pitchers are getting run uh, into the ground and we need uh, without the Grom. Uh, really, with the, only adding Trevor Williams to the deadline, I think that could work. we might run thin uh, quite soon. Yeah, and to go along with what you're saying about Walker right there, I was listening to Gary and Ronnie earlier in the broadcast, and they were saying coming off that Tommy John, he had a short season in 19 because he pitched in the second half and then the 60-game season last year. He hasn't gone the full length of a season in a long time, and uh, yeah, I don't want him to burn out. I've been seeing a drop in his velo like come the third, fourth, fifth inning in games recently down to like lower 90s. And that's just not who he is. He's a little bit more of a power pitcher. So hopefully they were saying something about an innings limit a little bit on him going forward. But we are going to need him to get back to four or five, six innings strong and get over to that bullpen that's been good to us. You know, McGill's picked up a lot of slack in July. He had like a 1.0 something ERA, which was huge. But Stroman's been pretty consistent too, doing his thing, keeping us in ball games, always competing. But Walker's been a little concerning for me too, CJ. Yeah, I'm gonna just jump in before you get cutting. Yeah, I agree. Walker, like you said, uh, Gary and Keith, they pointed that out uh, on the broadcast. That's where I got it from. To uh, two of the best analysis in the game. Um, but cutting, yeah. So I just want to throw the question out to you. Uh, obviously, we don't really have that much pitching. Uh, right now, stuff like that. We do have Trevor Williams uh, waiting in the wings, but uh, are you open? Like, would you skip Walker um, in like maybe the coming weeks? Obviously, now it would just be so tough with everything, but uh, it would probably now be the time to do it. Three starts, real bad. I mean, if he has another real bad one, then you got to think that's uh, going to be a thought process of the front office and Rojas. So I'd like to see what you have there. I definitely think that he could be skipped right now, but. If the Mets wait on this, they can't skip him. When if this division comes within like two games, or if it gets real tight, you can't skip him. And meaning we can't be sending out guys like, I mean, Trevor Williams might be all right, but like I'd rather have Tom on Walker on the mound. Like he can't be getting skipped come those kind of starts. So right now might be a good time for him to take a break. But um, I definitely agree. And as good as McGill has been, no shade to McGill because this has been a management decision. He hasn't been thrown in a lot of innings. You've seen the effect on our bullpen where they're all pretty gassed and they're taxed and our bullpen's been a little rocky in the second half, but I, I'm very concerned about our pitching and Taiwan needs to figure out quickly if he's going to, you know, he's our all-star. He kind of needs to step up. I know he's been overperforming our expectations, but he's turned into like him, Stroman and DeGrom are supposed to be our top three. And right now DeGrom's on the shelf. Walker is uh, falling apart a little bit and Stroman's even been a little up and down. And you see when those three aren't on, you see the effect on the team. We've been struggling lately. Yeah, if you want to take one thing away from the deadline, uh, it's like a disappointment. It was kind of that Sandy and Zach side kind of neglected. Well, they completely neglected the bullpen. And then, honestly, just added Trevor Williams to the starting rotation, thinking there are options there. 
Uh, and Zach Scott said that they knew that DeGrom was hurt, um, or like he was going to be out multiple weeks um, prior to the four o'clock deadline there. So, you know, that just kind of, that might, is that going to come back to bite us? I sure hope not. But like you said, the bullpen's been um, worn thin. I know they think the addition of Carrasco is going to help that, the addition of Rich Hill, and then hopefully Syndergaard comes back and give us something in September along with DeGrom. But those are a lot of ifs what ifs you know so i definitely would have liked um, more concrete um help there and things that we could really hang our hat on and be like all right these guys will be out there they're healthy um but you know we do have a lot of maybes coming a lot of these guys can maybe help us down the stretch so hopefully those guys do pan out and we can uh, get something going there because like you said the pitching has been uh worn thin especially in recent weeks yeah that definitely worries me that they knew about the DeGrom injury beforehand and but I like to consider Rich Hill as the deadline movie even though we got him about like a week and a half earlier but it wasn't enough you know you can't replace Jacob DeGrom and how good he is and what he does for this ball club every fifth day but a guy like Rich Hill was a good addition because you know he'll compete he'll keep you in ball games you're gonna have to put up a little more offense those nights but he's a seasoned vet he's gonna give you a little a little length, which we've been missing from these replacement pitchers. We don't, I just can't stand to see more Jared Jerkoffs on the mound who's given up six home runs a game. It's just, it's brutal to watch. So we need the, we should have gotten another guy, but hey, it's in the past and we got to deal with the hand we've been dealt like we have all year. I think the Mets should have just upgraded in the bullpen because even if you don't have the healthy starters, I think, like you said, Rich Hill, he could have held it down, but with the gas bullpen and some of these guys coming into these games are real bad. And now as we're recording this, we're watching the Mets Marlins game, the opener of the series. And they actually just dropped the game six to three. McGill took the loss tonight in that first inning grand slam to Brinson. But the Mets right now are struggling guys. I mean, as we're talking, they just lost another one now to the Marlins who we were just saying they have to beat. They have to take advantage of the teams that sold. And our boys got to figure it out quickly, man. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, the rest of the division is coming. They made upgrades. The Braves made upgrades. The Phillies made upgrades. Um, it's only a matter of time until they start rattling some wins off. So we have to do the same. Um, I know we've talked about a lot tonight. Uh, I think I just was looking at the schedule there, looking at our next, our next uh, Mets Mafia um, addition to City Field. I think we'll be – I personally will be there uh, – 10th against the Nationals. I think that is kind of a horrible game now because the Nationals are a terrible team. So might look to flex out of that. I know. Uh, I think we're either going to the 10th or the 11th. I know uh, we have talked about that, but I also definitely will be there uh, against the Dodgers Friday night. So that should be a great one. They'll be in the black uniforms. Um, and honestly, it looks like McGill is going to be slated to start that one. We'll see. I know Stroman is slated to start the last uh, game against Washington Thursday, August 12th. Tentatively, that's what the schedule says right now in ESPN. But we'll definitely be at two games next week for that homestand uh, after we come back from Miami and Philadelphia. So throw it to Greg, let him say his final words, and uh, maybe some more. Yeah, man, tough loss tonight. You know, we really – I think we're two and four against the Marlins this year, which really can't happen for a team that's that bad. Uh, they've always been a thorn in our sides, but we really got to capitalize. Now it's a three-game series. We got to take two out of three. We got to split or sweep – the last three right here and start making up, start creating some space. Cause like you said, the Phillies are knocking on the door. Braves won't go away playing 500 ball. 
division's not strong, but it's tight, and we really got to take advantage of the Marlins and Nationals with all the games we got coming up. Dodgers is going to be a good test for us, but we got to get we got to win against the teams we know we should beat. Yeah, I agree. And you know, um, Mets Mafia, we've been good for the jinxes, and tonight we were pretty hard on Conforto. So hopefully, we spoke him out of his out of his season long slump. He ripped a double there in the ninth inning, but who knows? Maybe a guy like that catches fire, Lindor comes back, and then we got some September baseball. It's going to get real exciting in Queens, and uh, let's go Mets. LFGM, baby, let's go. Like we said, we'll be at uh, City Field soon, so definitely check us out there. Look forward to those uh, live tweets. Thank you for checking into episode 10. Uh, Greggy, final words. I'll be there August 11th, Wednesday night as well. Like you said, shitty game against the Nats, but let's hope the bats break out. LFGM. All right, yeah, so it looks like I'll be switching that game to August 11th as well, so maybe check us out there. Maybe you'll have both games the 10th and the 11th. But like we said, Mets Mafia out, LFGM. Everybody have a great night.